You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, as we are gathered now uh, in your name, uh, I pray that uh, as we uh, open your word, uh, that ultimately, uh, not my words would go forth, Lord, but that your living word uh, would go forth that you'd pour out your spirit upon it, that you'd open our hearts and our minds, our spirits, our wills, that your living word, the word of life and salvation, might take root um, in our hearts and indeed bear fruit in our lives. And this I ask in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, for those of you who have um, been here regularly, you know that we're preaching our way through and we're reading through 1 Corinthians, and for those of you, perhaps if you're here for the first time tonight, um, we're in 1 Corinthians 7, which we had read just a moment ago. And in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul addresses issues of marriage and sexuality and celibacy, um, widows and widowers, uh, divorce. There's a great deal that Paul is addressing uh, in this particular portion of 1 Corinthians 7, and one of the things that we see Um, is that Paul is speaking in response to a letter that had been written to him. Uh, And obviously within that letter there are various questions which were asked of Paul in relation to uh, the truth of Christianity, what God had revealed, and and how we live as Christians in the world around us. Uh, So Paul is addressing uh, questions which had been asked of him. He's addressing a situation uh, in Corinth, which is a situation which in many ways, I, I know you think, Yeah, 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 preachers always say that, but true, a a context and a culture which is very similar to ours, uh, a very um, sexualized culture with a lot of different um, preachers preaching a lot of different things about what was true, what was right, what was best for human flourishing, for the flourishing and the well-being not only of individuals, but of the community as well. There's a lot of competing voices and competing ideas within this culture and within this context. And it's into this um, that Paul um, is speaking. Again, a, a culture and a context which, which is absorbed in many ways with sex and with sexuality, uh, and Paul begins to address this question. And as I have prayed through and uh, reflected on this, I was reminded uh, of a sermon I heard years ago at my college uh, baccalaureate when we were uh, we were graduating. Our, our college still had a baccalaureate, and I went to a military college, and so um, everything everything was required. Um, nothing was uh, nothing was optional. We were in our final days, uh, and so you can imagine, uh, you know, we're in our final days, where are our minds uh, a million miles away? Um, certainly not there, but we were required to form up on the quad, march over to Summerall Chapel across the parade deck, and hear. Um, our baccalaureate preacher for that particular evening. And so we gathered, and um, we were in the pews as you are now. And it's funny, I, I do remember he uh, stepped into the pulpit, and as he did so, he looked out at us, and he said three words, money, sex, and power. Money, sex, uh, and power. And I, I remember thinking to myself, along with my classmates, you know, it would be polite to listen to him. Uh, we should at least hear um, what he has to say. We're interested. You, okay, so those are topics um, that, are on, um, that are on our mind. And, and not surprisingly, what, what he said, in many ways, the summation uh, of his message to us was uh, the human propensity um, to chase one 
uh, or all of those things, how one or all of those things can so easily and so quickly become idols for us, money, uh, sex, uh, or power, or some combination uh, of those. And not only can they become an idol for us, but like any idol, ultimately what it tempts you with, what it tells you is you need just a little bit more. Uh, You can never be fulfilled. Uh, You can never be whole. You can never know the the blessing of being content because how much um, do you need? Just a little more. Um, And he said those words, I say, many years ago, and I remember those to this day, money, sex, uh, and power. And Paul is addressing this because those are things uh, that Christians during Paul's day had to um, contend with, deal with. They're things that you and I have to contend with as well. We can't simply say, uh, we're going to divorce those things from our life. We're going to push those things out of our life so that they have no impact on us. It's not possible. We're going to have to um, interact with them. And into that, Paul speaks a gracious word. Paul Paul speaks uh, an encouraging word. Paul speaks a freeing word to them um, and to you uh, and to me. And it began with that question, uh, it is good, Paul quotes, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations um, with a woman. And let me, let me say a little bit of what was going on in that particular culture. Um, a lot of Greek thought, a lot of Eastern thought, uh, not surprisingly, um, permeated the church. It was, uh, it was in the air around them and so affected the way that they thought. And, and let me explain what that means. There are basically two extremes that Paul is addressing here. One is to say, uh, in Greek thought, you know what, what really matters um, is the spirit. The body doesn't matter at all. And if the only thing that matters is the spirit and the body doesn't matter at all, it's easy by way of application to say, I can do whatever I want with my body. Um, Sex is just basically another appetite. And if I have it, then I need to feed it uh, with with whomever um, or however or whenever. Uh, That was one of the ways that that thinking and that teaching was being applied. That were simply, um, ultimately what really matters is the spirit, the body is nothing, and so then we can do whatever we want um, with with our body. Uh, One misinterpretation, one application of that. On, on the other end um, was to say basically that anything physical or fleshly is bad, um, and so we need to, we need to abstain. Uh, we need to abstain from sexuality. We need to abstain um, basically uh, in, in general. Uh, we need to be uh, ascetic all the way, um, all the way around. Those two um, responses um, denying uh, the fact that God is a God who is incarnate. God is a God, yes, who is spirit, um, but is also flesh, uh, who comes into the world uh, in Jesus. And and to this, Paul speaks a word um, to marriage, and he also speaks a word of singleness. And and wonderfully, um, fabulously, Paul basically blows up both sides. Uh, He blows up a more liberal approach. uh, He blows up a more uh, conservative approach, uh, and he gives uh, a more excellent way. And Paul begins to speak, and he says, uh, the, the woman's wife um, does not belong to her, um, but belongs to her husband. Uh, a woman's body does not belong to her in marriage. A woman's body does not belong to her, but belongs to her husband. And as you might imagine, um, your traditionalists would say, right on. Um, keep, keep preaching, Paul, but he doesn't stop there, does he? No, he goes on and says, uh, and likewise, husbands, your body doesn't belong to yourself, Uh, but your body belongs to your wife. Elsewhere, when Paul writes to the Colossians, what he'll say uh, in regard to marriage is, husbands and wives submit to one another uh, out of reverence for Christ. 
Paul speaks a word which would be um, dramatic and which would be radical. And, and to understand that more fully, if you remember right before this portion of 7-1, as Paul is writing to them, he reminds them um, that uh, we are not our own, that we were bought with a price. Um, so glorify God in your body. So Paul begins by saying, and this is a wonderful word that we need to hear in our time, just as they needed to hear in their time, um, we're, we're not autonomous. I don't know if you're anything like me. Um, I want to be autonomous. Um, I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to be beholden to anyone. Uh, I don't want to be liable um, to anyone. I don't want to be answerable um, to anyone. But but, how can we live in any relationships that have any substance, that have any devotion, uh, that have any commitment uh, if we're autonomous, uh, if we don't answer or respond to anyone? And Paul speaks this wonderful word saying, you know what, in a marriage, uh, a wife's husband belongs to her body, a husband's body belongs um, to his wife. And so this wonderful word uh, which he speaks, and then he goes uh, on with that as well, speaking um, in regard um, to singleness. And basically, before that, though, what Paul says is, you know what, uh, sexuality is a great thing. Uh, sexuality, it's a great thing. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. In fact, it's such a great thing, and it's so um, important, and it's so much more than simply something physical uh, that the only um, place for it to be experienced uh, and cherished uh, is within the context of marriage uh, between a husband um, and between a wife. But then Paul also speaks words which are dramatic in that time and in that place and that culture uh, and in ours as well to say, and for those who are celibate, um, that's great. Uh, there's nothing wrong um, with being single, uh, is what Paul says. And I know that may not sound um, dramatic to you and to me, um, but imagine, and it's really, it's not altogether different today, is it? But particularly in the time in which Paul lived and in traditional cultures, what's expected of you? That, that you marry. Uh, and in particularly uh, in Jewish culture and Jewish society, once a, once a man turned 18, there was the expectation that, that he would marry soon and that he wouldn't simply marry, um, but also um, that he would have children. And again, and, and, you know, often in our culture today, there's the expectation um, that you have to marry. And not only do you have to marry, uh, and should you marry, um, but th that you have to have kids as well. Uh, and Paul says, that's just not the case. Uh, that's just not the case. One um, can be fulfilled. One um, can have meaning. One can have purpose um, beyond marriage as well. And as he goes on, there's the question which comes up, and, and not surprisingly in first century Christianity, uh, about being uh, married to an unbeliever. Uh, and basically what Paul says in response is, if, if you're married to an unbeliever and that person, he or she is willing to remain married to you, um, continue to be married to them. And, and likely what was being asked was basically saying, look, if I'm married to an unbeliever, is that going to defile me? Um, and is that going to defile um, our children? And interestingly, surprisingly, what, what, what Paul says is, well, no, in fact, if that person is willing to remain married to you, uh, then there's the possibility, there's the impact for your life, um, for your faith, to actually, rather than their defiling you, there's that power and that opportunity for your life and your faith and the power of God to have an impact uh, on their lives. Uh, as we talk about all of this, as we reflect uh, on all of this this evening, though, um, let me say this, as Paul addresses marriage and sexuality uh, within marriage, as he uh, addresses singleness, uh, one of the things that I think is important for any of us to note is that all of this, uh, while 
true, and, and while spoken um, to a particular situation uh, and particular relationships, uh, all of these things also in our lives uh, point to something which is ultimately deeper and more important. Uh, and what do I mean by that? What am I, what am I trying to say? Well, even uh, in the best marriage, uh, if you have the best marriage in the world, uh, if you have the best um, spouse in the world, um, there's always uh, certain something which is missing. Isn't that true? Uh, or, or, uh, it's, it's, never, um, it's, it's never perfect. You can have the most amazing spouse in the world. You can have the most amazing um, marriage uh, in the world. And yet, um, within this life, there, there's a certain uh, incompleteness um, to us. There's a certain um, sadness to this life. You can have the most celibate celibacy um, in the world, uh, and there's still, um, you can do it perfectly. Um, and there's going to be uh, a certain something which is lacking and a certain something um, which is missing. Um, these, the, the gift of relationships um, ultimately um, point us uh, to the necessary relationship with God. Uh, I mentioned, remember you're not your own. You were bought um, with the price. Uh, in our marriages, in our singleness, in our various um, devotions and relationships, uh, one of the things that we are pointed to, which is essential and true, is that um, at the end of the day, uh, the one person uh, in whom we can completely and totally be complete, uh, we can completely and totally be fulfilled, uh, is, is in Christ. The church, as you've probably heard, is described uh, as the bride of Christ. Uh, the church is described as the bride and Jesus um, as the bridegroom. As great as all of these things are, uh, we're ultimately and finally directed uh, to the truth um, that uh, we ultimately find our completion um, in God. And as I share um, all of this with you, uh, Paul holds out the words of truth uh, for the community in Corinth, and he holds out words of truth um, for you and for me. Um, and uh, as I say that, those words are absolutely true, and, and yet one of the things I want to be careful to note as I uh, speak to you tonight, uh, inevitably, um, these words of truth, these words of God's design for that which is best um, for our flourishing and for our fulfillment, um, that, that none of us live up to this and live into this perfectly. Um, Paul elsewhere writes, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, despite the truth of all of this, uh, none of us can completely and fully um, measure up to this. We, we need and we are dependent upon the grace of God. But let me also say that uh, if or as uh, we struggle, one of the things that we know as well is that the grace of God is, is not simply, uh, although it's very definitely for our forgiveness, um, for our adoption, necessarily the way in which God brings us and restores us to a relationship with himself, but we also have the power of God's grace um, to bring about change in our lives. Uh, not simply to bring forgiveness, but also to strengthen us, uh, also um, to guide us uh, as well. And as we hear that uh, this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do um, thank you that you uh, enable us to have relationships with um, one another and that you yourself um, call us uh, into a relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that as we reflect on the words which you have to share in regard to the way that we relate um, to you and to one another, uh, that we would always be drawn to you and find ultimately and finally our strength and our security and our completion in you uh, and your grace and your mercy. And all this I ask in the name of your Son, 
who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.